have your Bibles, turn to the book of Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. We're going to go ahead and conclude our study of the book of Joel tonight. We've been on this for about six or eight weeks. Check the archives if you've missed some of that. If you want to catch up, Joel chapter 3, the last half of chapter 3. When we pick up this prophecy, we are watching a pattern of God who is giving us a chance for repentance. You see, God has already revealed that the next step after mercy is judgment. God is always very faithful to give his law, then to encourage us to keep his law, then to remind us when we're not keeping his law, and to to show us mercy, and then there's this little time window when he's asking for repentance. But if we don't move toward repentance in those moments, judgment certainly is going to follow after that. He has called all of the nations of the world that will not repent. They're stubborn. They will not repent. But also, they have treated Israel specifically with contempt. God has called all of these nations to the valley of decision or the the valley of Jehoshaphat, the valley of judgment here in Israel. He's called them physically to assemble, and the judgment will take place in those moments. Later, God calls Israel my people, my inheritance, and my land. So just as a recap, we're in Joel chapter 3, verse 11. Let me read you what was the main text last week, and then we'll segue into tonight. Joel 3, 11. Come quickly, all you nations from every side, and assemble there. Bring down your warriors, Lord. Let the nations be roused. Let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the nations on every side. Swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes, for the winepress is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will be darkened and the stars no longer shine. Before the service today, we gathered a few of us to sense what the Lord wanted to say prophetically. And I want to invite anybody in the house, any members of the congregation that that tend to move in the prophetic realm, you're interested in that, the Lord uses you in that way, join us at 4.30, just inside that side door. There's a small group of us that pray, and we we certainly dedicate the time to the Lord each evening, each week, but we're waiting on the Lord to tell us something specific for today. And what was wonderful was the word that we thought we had heard from the Lord in the back room is a similar word that Brigitte shared in her prophetic moment here in worship, and it was this. The word that came to us today was shifting, shifting. Now, there are Small areas of shifting in this word picture that we got, you know, sometimes a river will change course a little bit. It'll shift the landscape. A a lake will form through flood. It will disappear through drought, and the landscape shifts a little bit. That changes the ecosystem, so there's certainly shifting on a smaller scale. But do you know there's also shifting on a very large scale? You think about when tectonic plates are moving, the continental plates are shifting 
Major things are happening in the earth, and there's a sign that things are shifting. When tectonic plates move and they collide into one another, mountains form. That's how mountains are formed. It's a sign that something has moved and collided, and you get a new mountain that's formed out of that. And we believe that today, we're seeing some major shifts in the world from corruption of government to censorship in the media that won't allow truth to come out anymore, wants to silence God's people, to families that are breaking apart. More than 50% of families now end in divorce. That's a major shift in values. We have an agenda that's being pushed by Almost all major companies around the world, especially in media, there's an agenda being pushed now to do lots of things to the family. Break the family through divorce. Break them through sexual immorality and pornography. Break them through homosexuality. Break them through transgender actions and thoughts. And there's a brokenness to the people, but there's a major tectonic plate shift happening in the world today because we will no longer call sin, sin. That's a major shift. And when God sees these major shifts, he prepares his people, and that's what he's doing here tonight at King of Kings, but he's also doing it through the book of Joel, and he says, guys, there's a shift happening. You better pay attention to the signs. When you see the mountain range climbing, that means there's been a major shift. Pay attention to the signs. Be a people that know the seasons that we're in. Because you know every season that we encounter demands a different response from us. The winter season demanded different clothes. In Israel, it's very cold, it's very rainy. It's rained for about three straight months here in Israel, just until last week. Thank you, Jeff and Sharon, for bringing the good weather with you. It took Canadians to bring good weather. It felt like Canada here for a while. But you change your behavior. You change your activities. You change what you're wearing. You might change your routine. Something has to change when the season changes. People of God, be mindful of the seasons that are changing right now in the earth. Please do not put your head in the sand and pretend everything is the same in the world that it was 10 years ago. It's not. And it's changed a lot faster than many of us thought it could. Keep that in mind as we read tonight. Let's get to the main text of this evening. We're going to pick up the reading at this point. Joel chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, where God is releasing the judgment on all of the nations that are gathered in the valley of decision. And yet while he releases judgment, God intervenes on behalf of his own people in the same moment. God's able to do both at the same time. Joel 3, 16 and 17. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The earth and the heavens will tremble, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. Then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion, my holy hill. Jerusalem will be holy. Never again will foreigners invade her. You see, in this moment, it's not only judging the nations, but it's also providing safety for his people. We can look back at many stories of the Bible, something like 
the flood of Noah's day. We can see that the ark of salvation was present, and while the rest of the world was being judged because they wouldn't repent, they wouldn't come, God had already provided a way of safety for his people. It's not that they weren't impacted by what was going on, but they were saved in the midst of it. And that pattern repeats in the scriptures. While judgment's happening in one place, God's people are safe in another. I'm glad Pastor Wayne mentioned Egypt and the plagues as we were taking the Seudana Adon, the elements of the Lord's table tonight. Because in Egypt, the story is that there are 10 plagues, the famous 10 plagues, the ones you take your finger and you take the wine and you, it's the blood and God is more powerful than all of the gods represented there. And the first three plagues of Egypt impacted everybody, including the Israelites. But the next seven plagues only impacted the Egyptians, did not hit the Israelites directly. God protected them from many of those plagues. So we see the pattern that God can do that. He can bring judgment over here and protect his people through that fire on the other side. Joshua 10 came to mind also where the children of Israel are lined up to battle against the Gibeonites and it was God who releases hailstones from heaven. He wins the battle for them with hailstones from heaven and yet the hailstones don't hit the Israelites. What does that teach you? God has good aim. I'm really glad you got that joke. That was good. But God has the capacity to do both of those at the same time. And here's a moment that I think we need to stop for just a minute and make an aside. We need to mention something that's very important, and that is this big cosmic question. Why do bad things happen on earth if God is such a loving God? Well, can I pose to you an answer today? That in some cases, God is sending judgment for a specific reason, a specific action, a specific sinful thing that's been done and not repented of. He's sending judgment for that thing. In Joel, it was judgment because the nations were rebelling against God without repentance, and they continually showed contempt and hatred toward Israel. It was a very specific judgment that's being mentioned there. And so sometimes judgment is not released on everyone. It's released on the people that were involved in that particular action. And yet there are other times where bad things are happening not necessarily because of specific judgment, but it feels like negative things are happening to everyone because of general sin in the world. You see, when we sinned together with Adam and Eve, it released decay into the world. Our bodies were changed. The world was changed. The earth, the animals, the plants, the animals, the food, everything was changed in that moment. And we are on a path of decay. And sometimes that just reveals itself in negativity because that's what sin does. And we are a part of that sinful creation. Sometimes bad things are happening just because we are a sinful creation. It's not because we have done anything particular to gain that judgment. So when the question is asked, why do bad things happen if God is so loving? The correct answer is, fix the question. God didn't do that. We did that. 
Don't point the finger at him. Point the finger at us. We're the ones that changed the formula. Remember how God created things beautiful and perfect in the garden, but we messed it up. We brought the decay upon ourselves, so don't turn around and point at God like he did this. God is doing everything in his power to get us out of that position of decay and into a position that we will never feel pain again. That's what he's trying to do. So we answer one of those big universal questions. In these cases, what are God's people called to do? We are called to walk through the challenge and to display God's character and his power to the unbelievers who are also having to walk through these challenges. There are some times that things on the earth that are negative are impacting everyone. It doesn't matter what you believe or what your faith is. It's still impacting you. Some of you may have heard of this thing called Corona. And I appreciate that a lot of people have, you know, done the right thing and prayed for safety, prayed for protection, prayed for healing. Absolutely, that is the right thing to do. Keep doing it. And yet, no matter what level of Corona you got, original, Delta, Omicron, Deltacron, BB2B, Sounded like a Star Wars character. No matter what you got or didn't get or someone got near you or around you that sneezed or coughed, it changed what you thought about your situation. You were impacted by corona. You were impacted by the sin of the world, the decay of our bodies. We are impacted by these things. That doesn't mean God is not good. It actually proves the opposite. It proves that God is good because he's showing you the result of sin. If we will think carefully and watch the path and the arc of sin and what it does to the world and to us, the conclusion is God is good because sin is not. That has to be the logical conclusion. And Joel is trying to get us to see it this way He's trying to get us to see that in the valley of judgment, God has the capacity to release judgment on some and protect others. Famine, disease, drought, natural disasters, the unfortunate death of loved ones. Over the course of history, we have all seen many times that God's people are impacted by many of these events. But let me give you the key phrase of tonight. Not all bad things are caused by God's judgment of a particular action. We must also consider that we live in a fallen world which is impacted by our collective sinful choices. And in those moments, we are called to be a light in a dark place, hope in a hard situation, to continually point people to Yeshua who can get them out of it and into eternal life. That's our job. Now, as we've continued to walk through the book of Joel, we've seen the patterns of God's love reaching out to the world. What does he do? Well, he first identifies sin, then he calls for repentance. He waits patiently for us to repent. Then he sends confirming prophetic words of repentance. And finally, if repentance is not offered, he moves to release judgment. But in God's mercy, his patience, and his love... He's not releasing all of the judgment all at the first moment. 
because of his loving mercy. And when he releases the first bit of judgment, he's not releasing it to punish. He's releasing it to get your attention. Like, I don't want to do this. I've warned you. I've warned you 10 times. I'm going to give you a little taste of what your actions have done. So here's a little taste of that. I'm not trying to punish you or hurt you. I'm trying to get you to wake up. And sometimes the Lord releases just a little bit of the judgment so you can feel it. Now, some of you are parents in the room. Anybody want to admit your parents? No one wanted to admit they were parents. Two, okay, a couple of brave souls. You see, you got to be careful because when the kid is running around loud and screaming, you're like, it's not my kid. It's somebody else's kid. I don't know why he keeps calling me daddy. That's not my child. But as a parent, what do we do? We give rules, safety, boundaries. Sometimes the kids violate those rules and we give them a warning. Hey, mm -mm. in my family, whether it's right or wrong, I'll be vulnerable. You can judge me. Whatever you want to do, I can take it. Because my kids tell me what I do. That's the funny part. So one of my kids the other day was trying to trying to snap, you know how you snap. And they couldn't do it. It wasn't like, they couldn't get the good, crisp, loud snap. It just wasn't happening. So they came over, Dad, teach me how to snap. How you do that snap? I said, what you mean, that snap? Well, you know, Dad, the snap. I'm not sure what we're talking about. What are we talking about? Dad, you know the snap. Explain it to me. Well, you know, when you tell us not to do something and we do it anyway and you go, Oh, that snap. Okay, yes. God does that sometimes. It's just like, hey, I've told you, don't cross that boundary. Please don't cross that boundary. It's bad for you. Please don't make me. Please don't make me. Did I get your attention with that snap? A little bit, little bit of judgment. See if he can wake you up. And we as parents will do that too. Like, I didn't, I, you know, look, I'm going to put you in a corner. I'm going to do, there's like a whole bunch of options. You got to go down the playlist in your mind, what's appropriate for this situation. And then when you're just about to move into maybe a little bit of discipline, you want to check in with the spouse and be like, are you with me on this? We're together. Okay, I'm going to move forward with this. And it's a little bit at first because of your merciful heart. But if the child still doesn't listen, you got to come in full force. My wife calls it, Daddy elephant. I'm not sure why. I don't, you know, I, I have big ears. I, I, maybe I do. I don't know. She'll say, you, you need to go in there like a daddy elephant. I'm not sure what that means. I know what she means to me. She means go in there. We've done, we've done all of the gentle things they're not listening. You got to go in there like Daddy Elephant and stop it, whatever the last thing you have to do is. And God is begging us, please don't make me be the Daddy Elephant right now. I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do. It's not what's in my heart to do. And Joel is bringing this out. But when we remain stubborn, we get the fullness of his judgment. It's released upon arrogance and rebellion. 
And in these moments of full judgment release, even for God's people, we are specially protected and yet we are still impacted. You understand? We can be protected but still impacted by whatever is happening in the world around us. But it still shows you what God's heart is actually for his people. Go back to the main text for just a second. Find yourself in Joel chapter 3, verse 18. In that day, the mountains will drip new wine, and the hills will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of Acacias. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, because the verse before it was talking about judging the nations. And while that's going on over here, God is saying, let me tell you what I'm doing for my people over here, which is my actual goal. Dripping with new wine and honey and milk, safety and shelter and health and power. That's what I want for my people. This is the heart of God. And in these moments, we learn that Israel is not only safe, but Israel is prosperous. And this is the pattern throughout Scripture that I hope we are really catching on to. It's called the world beyond judgment. The Israelites didn't just receive protection from the plagues and then later come out of Egypt into freedom, but God brought them into a land of prosperity. You see, God's goal isn't to free the slaves and to leave them in the desert. Well, you're free. I saved you. Aren't you happy in the desert? Aren't you a grateful people? I saved you. I took you out of prison, and now you're not in prison. You're just homeless on the streets. But I saved you out of prison. That's not even God's heart. That's not even the, the path that he's trying to have us walk on. I saved you. I trained you. And then I sent you to the promised land. Why? Because the promised land is always the goal. It's not just the saving. The saving is only part of the goal. We call this the world beyond judgment. And Joel is trying to get us to see it. It's not just all of the rules and you rebelled and God said repent and you didn't because you were stubborn. And then God said, finally, I get a chance to pour out judgment on somebody and he's having a good old time. And he pours out judgment because that was his goal. Judgment is not his goal. Judgment is a tool so that we will listen, so that we can be taken from slavery into the promised land because the promised land is always the goal. It's the goal for your life. We often talk about when, when Yeshua saved us and redeemed us from sin, he didn't, you know, sin is like a negative, right? It's a decay. It takes you down into a pit. You're in the negative space. And Yeshua didn't come to die to just pull you out of the negative space and now you're at zero and leave you there. Like, I did my job. I got him back to zero. No, it's, he pulls you out of the negative to zero and then he brings you into the positive so that you can live forever with him to rule and reign as co-heirs with the Messiah. It was never to just be saved. Do you understand? That's not even why you were created. Do you understand? We were not created to be saved. We were created to rule and reign with the Lord in all that he has created. That's what Adam's job was. Being saved 
was just fixing a road we should have never been on. We got off of the freeway into sin, and God said, nope, that's the wrong way. Come back on the way. That's being saved. But we were never created to be saved. We were created to rule and to reign with the Messiah, to see the world beyond judgment. Judgment is not the goal. Judgment is a tool that God wants to use to capture our heart. And he uses any tool he can, just like a parent would use any tool he can. You know, a parent might say to a child, but if you will just think about your decisions and the results of them. You know, it's like the Bible tells us the score. It's God's way of saying, if, if you'll just look down the road, you'll see what all of this leads to. I'm giving you the score. You need to bet on the right team. That was not me condoning betting, by the way. That was just an example. But you know the score. Choose the right team. Now, Joel ends his book in the same way that Revelation ends. We're not only speaking of repentance and rebellion, judgments, salvation of God's people, the separation of the faithful and the unfaithful. There's a lot of things and patterns in Joel and Revelation that are very similar as we conclude. But there's a final comparison, and that is this, that in God's giving of the final score, he's using that as another tool. I'm telling you who wins and loses. I'm giving you a little taste of judgment so that you might be swayed. I'm loving you with mercy and patience that I might win your heart. Any tool he can use without violating your free will. God will never violate your free will. It's always gonna be a choice. Back to the main text, Joel 3, 19 through 21. But Egypt will be desolate, Edom a desert waste because of violence done to the people of Judah, in whose land they shed innocent blood. Judah will be inhabited forever in Jerusalem through all generations. Shall I leave their innocent blood unavenged? No, I will not. The Lord dwells in Zion. What's he doing? He's telling you the end result of the war. I'm gathering the nations. I'm going to beat them. I'm going to prosper Israel. And all of the nations who fought against me will be desolate. But Israel, the faithful, will be blessed. They will find that promised land I promised them so long ago. I will use every tool I can to get your attention, but I will not violate your free will. Parents know this. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's what God's trying to do. And in today's world, I would love to see a little bit more of people thinking all the way through a decision until its end point. If I make this decision today, what does it do to my life down the road? If I choose this path of sin, what's going to happen to me 3, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road? What does it do to me? But today we don't have that. We have immediate gratification, whatever it feels good now. It doesn't matter about the future. The problem with that is Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Yeshua, the Messiah, our Lord. Paul is quoting a proverb here. The actual proverb that he's quoting is chapter 10, 16. The wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. Let us be a people that think. Let us be a people that 
look down the road to what our decisions do. Let us be a people that know the seasons we're in and we, we listen to the Lord how to respond correctly. Let us be a people that understand God's goals. Judgment is not the goal, it's just a tool. Eternal life, prosperity, reigning with the Lord, that's the goal, it's always been the goal. Satan has just tricked our human race to get off the path we were created for. And the final verses of the book of Joel encapsulate the end result of all of these choices and processes. The nations are defeated in battle. Edom and Egypt are represented here as those nations that are defeated, desolate and a barren wasteland. Judah and Jerusalem are safe, protected and blessed. They're representative of the faithful that follow the Lord. God has avenged the innocent blood. He never leaves this unpunished. It's a de description of God's perfect judgment, by the way. He never leaves sin unpunished. And he ends the book by saying, don't forget where I live. I dwell in Zion. And why is that important? Because it shows the consistency of God. He is who he has always been. He lives where he has always lived. His attributes are the same. His laws are the same. They've never changed because you don't touch perfection. Our final verse tonight. Revelation 22, verse 6. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Did you see that? Inspired the prophets. He's talking about Joel. I inspired Joel. Worship team, thank you. Yeshua's saying, I inspired Joel to write that so that you would know the things that were coming. There's a major tectonic plate level shift happening in the world right now because evil is no longer called evil. Good is no longer called good. Truth is being hidden and erased now. Sin is being celebrated in the streets. This is a major shift, friends. And you take that shift, like I preached last week, you take that shift and put right next, next to it the power of new technology to corrupt. Take next to that the fact that Yeshua's earthly ministry has concluded with teaching, death, and resurrection right next to the fact that Israel exists now as a modern nation and you have the formula for the end. All of it's in place. All of the things the prophet said to wait for are now starting to come into focus right in front of our eyes. There's a few more check boxes you'll see the coming years. Jerusalem will come under full control, we believe, of Israel. We believe that the temple will be rebuilt. I think you'll see that again. You'll see the nations rise up against Israel. You'll see them called to the valley of decision. All of that is still just in front of us. But what you should pay attention to in this season is how close it is now and how rapidly it has changed. All of the pieces are now on the table. So to recap, the prophecy of Joel has taken us on a journey that reveals what the road ahead looks like. But what has emerged is a very consistent message and a plan of God that has been clearly revealed. So what is that message? Well, God wants people to be thinkers. Think about what our actions and choices lead to. 
God is offering us so much by the way of healing and freedom, blessings and eternal life. He will not violate our free will of man. However, he will use all of the tools possible to get us to consider his truth in love. From teachings to mercy to warnings to discipline to judgment to predicting the future of our path and telling us to score, all of them are tools. His love and his effort shines through all of these things, even to the point that he wants to show us the world beyond judgment. What will it look like? Maybe you'll listen to that. Both for those that choose wisely, the world beyond judgment looks lovely. But to those that choose foolishly, he also shows them the world beyond judgment. It's not very pleasant. But remember, it's a choice. You choose life or you choose death. You choose freedom or you choose bondage. And when we choose these things, don't point at God like he did it. He always gave the choice to you. Hallelujah. Can we pray? Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you reminded us that you had inspired the prophets to these writings and that their writings are describing the world we live in now. That this is not something foreign to us or distant from us or disconnected. The words of Joel are relevant today right in front of us. Let us know the season we're in. Let us feel the shifting taking place. Let us know how to respond. We need your presence, Holy Spirit. We need your wisdom. We need your power. We need you, God. And as we will certainly see ourselves impacted by the ramifications of sin around us, would you help us to stand firm? Would you help us to stand courageous? Will you help us to stand for truth when everyone around us lives a lie? Empower us to do that, God. We will be impacted by these things. Whether we're prevented from feeling them at all or we have to go through them together, either way, we're still impacted. We want to please you through these challenges. Help us. We need courage today. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand up for a moment, and I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in a song. Let the Holy Spirit wash over you before we dismiss you. Try not to rush out if you don't have to. Just stay right here. I'll close in just a minute, but stay right here. Let the Holy Spirit wash over you during this song, and then, then we'll dismiss.